You're listening to a DM podcast. Hey, we are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name is John Hewitt and Roger Gibbs is here. Well, hello. Whoa. <laughs> surprised me there. Jeff King is here. Liverpool zero, Everton two. Oh, God. It's <laughs> a sign of things. Banned. 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 Um, yeah, sorry, Roger. I just wanted to surprise you by introducing you first whilst you were pouring your beer. Yeah, thanks, John. That's all right. Well, you said It's last a good week. job that I am excellent at multitasking. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Really excellent. But you, did, you complained last time that I always introduced Jeff first, so I thought I'd uh, shake it up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair point. Um, but we've been away for a week um, because it was lockdown last week, so we've got a whole two weeks of football to catch up on. And Jeff, uh, no, Rog. Oh, no, I can't remember what your name is. Oh, though. dear. Um, you bought a special beer for your uh, having missed a week? Uh, no, it's my, just fridge beer. Um, that looks way <laughs> fast. <laughs> Whose fridge do you go in? Uh, my own fridge. <laughs> um, this is a Liberty No Regrets New Zealand <laughs> Hazy IPA. I will give $1,000 to anyone else who has that in their fridge. Here to make you feel better about your life. Choices is a special edition hazy IPA brewed with the world famous Verdant yeast. That's for you, Jeff, and featuring an experimental new hop variety as well as the all new Nectaron for intense tropical fruit flavors with a citrus zing. Make no mistake, this is a beer for those who love to live life with no regrets. <laughs> I mean, look, I've not got past world famous yeast. <laughs> Can you name me another yeast? Like, is there a pecking order? Is there are they normal yeasts and then big big boy yeast? There, must the, like, there must be the messy of yeasts. Yeah, world, world famous yeast. This is a special yeast. Well, it's got one You're of those. Fungus. I got fungus. I got the world famous fungus. The Nectaron's got one of those little the Nectaron. <laughs> what are you talking about, Roger? It's got all those little R's in a circle. Yeah, that means something special. Like they they uh, copyrighted it or something. That is the most unfridged beer you could ever have. Yeah, Seven new... percentile too. Well, so today, John, yes, I have Jeff. brought a can of Heineken. <laughs> And do you know? Do you know why I bought a can of Heineken? That I'm not going to give a thousand dollars to anyone who's got that in the fridge. It's, a, it's also it'll... a big. It's a special can of Heineken. Though. It's a big one. It's a big boy. It's a big one. That's why I bought it because it's five hundred. What they call it, milligrams? Mil- like mils? a pint. Mills. It's like a pint. Pint. Five. Is that a pint? Five hundred mils. Five hundred. Because I looked. What I did? Well, I looked at the beer, and there were lots of normal size cans, and then big cans. I thought, hey, up, <laughs> get a big can, get a big one. You get more. You get more. So I thought, well, that's a bargain because you get more. Do you know, one of the first times... Like a Kit Kat. You know, you get the, four bars in a Kit Kat, don't you? Um, but go on, Rog, this will be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when we first arrived in this country, and um, we went to a music festival, with, yeah. uh, Meredith, I think, it's a big, big yeah. BYO, and um, uh, you can only take cans, no glass, and at that point there wasn't a huge variety of cans and glass available in Australia. Yeah. But I was like, well, if I take cans... You know, I'll take big cans because then I won't have to get a can so often. And so uh, most of them are like the ones from the UK that have come out here and fairly, you know, like things like Foster's and Carling and Heineken and all those. But I took the big cans and I was like, no one really drinks big cans in Australia. And then you realise it's because big cans go warm. Go warm. Yeah. And when it's really hot, like 40 degrees in Australia, they go <laughs> warm. They have half a can quickly. and throw it in the bin. Yeah. 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 Really but I'm loving it because you get more in your can. 
My favourite thing about uh, Meredith Rodge and your uh, can taking was when you were really drinking lots of cider and you did cant bottles of cider into plastic bottles. That's right, John. And you spent hours and hours. Mercury cider. Yeah, those are the days. <laughs> what I, used you, to, what I remember you... when you, they were all loaded up into a into a crate. It looked like I had like. 50 litres of urine, high-strength <laughs> urine. <laughs> You've not changed too much from that. Uh, John, what, John? Guess what? Aldi wine. Doro Macho. Is that a new label? looks a no, bit different. I think it might just have another medal. Maybe another font. Oh, they've won another medal. <laughs> I think they've changed their font. That looks different. Uh, no, I don't think so. But I have taken this to a festival before in a plastic bottle. Good to see you, Every week we start with a question, but before we do that... Um, if you want to get involved in the Football Shed community, head to our Facebook group, Shedders and Volleys, um, to talk nonsense about football and uh, add to Jeff's list of footballers with food names today, which was pretty fun. Um, although I'm not, yeah, I'm not giving you a food van Nistelroy. Food van Nistelroy. No. <laughs> food van. No, I thought when like, we, you know, like a food when, van. When we did this separately today, I thought you were both cheating. It's got to be real. Food van Nistelroy. No, because no, his, his name's rude. No, no, yeah, but Rog, come no, on, look, no, food no, van. No, it's got to be real. There's enough real ones out there. Kevin De Bruyne's sauce. Jess Horsefield. <laughs> Horsefield? Yeah, horse? a horse. I've <laughs> eaten a horse. You've eaten a horse. <laughs> Fuck off, right? What, John, keep going. Where's the intro? A lot of people in the UK ate horse for a while without knowing. <laughs> it's very true. Um, people do here too. You didn't eat a horse field. Uh, or if you're more like Rog, you can send us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we actually got an email, Rog. Um, Did we? We got yeah. We've been off for a couple of weeks, so I didn't wasn't able to. Is it another person in a far flung place? Well, it's no. It's a guy called Phil, and he says, "Dear Rog, spelt your name R O D G E, which I enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> like like a car every day, Phil. Every day, <laughs> please bite the bullet and set up a Facebook account. Then John will never need to check this inbox again. Lots of love, shedders and volleys. Oh, Roger." There you go. So the email account will now be closed, presuming that you have set up a Facebook account. No. <laughs> you can close the email, but I, I just can't do it. I do. I think there is a Facebook with my name on it out there that Dirk Cummins, friend of the shed, set up fictitiously on my behalf and then befriended a lot of people that I know and started talking to them and saying God knows what. Would you would you say that it has more friends than you do in the real world? <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah. Just probably okay. someone pretending to be me is probably nicer than the real thing. Anyway, John, <laughs> football. Um, so this week's question is about the best right-back come striker in the league, Mikel Antonio. Um, he has scored 42 Premier League goals and they've all come inside the box putting him fourth in the list of players that have only ever scored Premier League goals from inside the box. Chikorito, Tim Cahill. Can you name the top three? Chikorito. Yep. Tim Cahill. Yep. <laughs> uh, the other one is a current player. How many, how many has he scored? 45. Is it a bloke? Jesus. Yes. yes, Gabriel Jesus. Are you kidding me? He's only ever scored inside the box. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I don't, can't think of him scoring a... By the a way, very good. good knowledge, Roger. But second, that's incredible. Yeah. He's not a spadget in the top corner guy. No, he's wow. off, the, off the knee in the bottom Has corner. DCL ever scored outside the box? Mm. No, he hasn't scored that It many. would have been an accident if he did, wouldn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? It would, <laughs> it would, it would have been a clearance for some yeah. reason. Yes. Off his arse deflection. I'll claim that. 
Um, but yeah, I wanted to start on West Ham because they're sat in fourth. And Mikel Antonio's been brilliant. They beat Spurs at the weekend 2-1. And they look like they could carry on. They look like they may be... Are they the real deal? Can they finish fourth? Oh, God. Um, well, I mean, why not? Tell, yeah. tell me why, why they... Well, that's, I think that's my point, is that David Moyes has got a system that works. He's got a squad who believe in what they're doing. And they're beating good teams. Why can't they go and do it? And they play in the next four games. They play the two Manchester teams, Leeds and Arsenal. If they come out the other side of that, still in fourth, and they played a lot of their hardest games in the first half of the season, they can come top four. But yeah, this is one of those conversations where where we're probably all going to look like dickheads in two weeks, which we get yeah. caught up for all the time. They're going to be sitting in eighth and it's going to be whatever. However, you know, you've got to give them credit when they deserve credit and this is one of those weeks where you look at the table and you look at their performance and you think well David Moyes is doing a really good David Moyes job essentially he's you know he he personally scouts and sanctions the purchasing of players which is the reason why they didn't buy a striker they they were looking for the right type of striker and they couldn't find it which means that he chose not to get one that means that you know we we rarely see that in football club these days you know usually there's a director of football and and, and you know they they force players upon managers and the managers come and go and and so be it but what david moyes has done at, at west ham is almost bring it back to a level where he is so involved I'm not going to say that that is because they give him that much respect it's because they have no staff well, and they fired him once before already and brought him back so. exactly right yeah but what you know what he's done is he's he's brought in unsought after is that word unsought yeah. after yeah unsought after players who are who are not for for very very low values mm. and he's brought in the right type of character and they are absolutely loving it. It brought in. I think Craig Dawson's one of the best signings of the year. Like I always rated him, and he's boring as all hell. But he's a good, solid Premier League centre. Nearly scored again. At yeah, the weekend. and you just need players like that in your squad that you can rely on and go. He's going to get seven out of ten every week. He's not going to rock the boat. He'll turn up, be a professional, and he's been great for them. Did we talk about that stat last week about him scoring the goals or not? We weren't here last week, so I don't know. Oh, the week before. I can't remember. I don't want to repeat myself, but he's scored um, like more goals of it than um, any defender in the top four divisions Craig over Dawson's, the last two no, I years. I don't remember hearing that ever. That's no, a good stat. It's, yeah, um, it's interesting. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's, uh, uh, we talked about. It. He's very much like Johnny Evans to me. Like you yeah. just, you don't, don't hear much about them. Don't notice them, but they do their job very, very well every single week. But you, you could argue that the majority of the West Ham team is, is, is like yeah. that. The only player that gets any airtime is Declan Rice. and, mm. it, and it, He's it, very, very good. He though. is very, very good, but it must be quite frustrating for West Ham fans or West Ham supporters to, to sit there and go, every time they have a good result, every pundit in the world says, oh, Declan Rice was good, and then they move on to another team. And I'm like, <laughs> well, actually, there is more to this side than just Declan Rice. Mm. Um, but they might be happy with it in terms of Sort of, I mean, that's very Moyes, isn't it? Takes the pressure off. Yeah, you know, the the collective is is bigger, bigger than the sum of its parts. Yeah, and... I, I agree. One of the things that you um that you notice when you watch West Ham is they're all enjoying themselves. Yeah, and of course, you know, there are there are clubs sitting fourth where they weren't expecting to. I get that, and because of that, you ride the wave and you have a great time. But all of this kind of social media stuff with Lingard and Rice and like they are absolutely loving it they're doing these 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 rehearsed goal celebrations and pretending to be in a band the best thing about that celebration is they celebrated uh, Lingard celebrates then it gets cancelled out for VAR and then it gets reinstated as a goal 
And they don't go, oh, we'll just go back to halfway. And they're like, oh, no, we've got to do our organised yeah. celebration. Let's do it now. I love yeah. it. They're absolutely loving it. So they are they are absolutely buzzing off, off where mm. they are, which means that they're on, this, they're on this roll of momentum, which I think is absolutely phenomenal. And I think that says a lot with the environment that the players are in right now, which is not great. Mm. And I think it goes both ways. Like the, They're obviously enjoying it and they're playing well. And they're getting results, so then they continue to enjoy it. And it's I think they've got on that that role. And I, I just think you have to I mean you credit the players, but it's also Moyes, because a lot of these players have been at this club when there's been a very different environment under other managers. Mm. And I'm not going to give the West Ham hierarchy any credit because they don't deserve anything and anything that happens there is by accident. Not because of them. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> true. But I, I think you have to give Moyes and the, the players a huge amount of credit. And I wanna you talk about him picking players. One I want you guys to get your opinion on is Little Lingard, because I must admit, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, Gareth Southgate picked him in every squad, played him a lot. Don't get it. I just don't, you know, he works hard, runs, buzzes around a lot, but what does he actually do? But since he's gone to West Ham... He's looked brilliant. He's actually looked really good. He's sort of, bit, um, you know, the, the transition between defence and attack he's he's got that bit of pace he can run without the ball he can run with it um but interestingly he's a player they've brought in um that gives them something a little bit different to what they yeah he runs past Antonio so that he gives it someone who breaks from midfield and goes that extra yard I think having watched him at Man United for a long time I've never thought he's brilliant but I always remember Fergie saying that he will make it as a pro. From age like 12, 13, he just knew. He's like, he's got the talent, he's got the work ethic, he'll make it. It's fine. And he'll get there. He's had a few personal issues over the last year during COVID. I think his family suffered a lot from COVID. And I don't know the ins and outs, and that's his life. But he's had a hard time. And to come out the other side, I think he needed a change of scenery. Yeah. Um, and and it's he like looks, he's enjoying it. Like and he's not like a naturally gifted footballer who, like a St. Maximam, who's going to do loads of silky skills. And he's not um, like a bullish winger. I'm not quite sure what kind of player he is. I don't know what his best position is. But what he does, really good. Well, I I reckon I, uh, you know, you could probably give a good shout for his best position. He He is most effective when he runs from deep. Yep. So, so when he has space in front of him, either whether that is taking on a man or whether he's running into space from deep, but not as a part of a front three. You know, if he yep. if he if he was put in Liverpool's side, I'm not saying he's of that quality, but if he was put yep. in Liverpool's side as a front three who are always on the front foot, he wouldn't be very effective. And I look at the way Man United set up at the moment, mm-hmm. he would not be effective in that Manchester United side. But West Ham are very happy to try and absorb, 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 and then run into space. And if he is part of that, as you said perfectly, Rog, that transition from defence to attack, he is always running into space. And that is when, when he gets momentum and he runs, he, he has, he's got a quick mind, he's got good feet, and he's fucking confident. Yeah. And and actually, I think for so, David Moyes knew that because he managed him at Manchester United. And he knew that that was the type of football that he played. You know, It's, no, it's not potluck that he's gone, you will be perfect, I'll play you every week. Because Moyes needed a player like that to help with the transition at West Ham. That's a really good point. And for England, when they played in the World Cup, they played two number eights. It was Deli Alley and Jesse Lingard. So he was in the middle of the park, coming from deep, and making those breaks beyond the striker and doing exactly, exactly that. Right. Yeah, and yeah. he wouldn't work in a front three. And so maybe there's only certain teams he works in, but he's really it's, good And it's just interesting that 
you know, they sold Haller, which we thought was slightly odd in that he'd actually been playing a little bit better and again perhaps offered them yeah. something they didn't have. But it's kind of like Lingard is... They're not obviously very much not like-for-like like players, but it's kind of been a replacement. And it just it's just that Lingard obviously fits the way that Moyes wants to play yeah. more. And it really works. And we talked about we talked about a bit of West Ham having now having different ways to play and different strings to their bow. But to me, it's when you watch them play, it's very clear that every player knows their job, is like is very competent in their role in the team and playing well individually. Um, but I think to, you know to get them set up to get a team set up in a way like that where you're getting the best out of all your players you you can't do much more than that as a manager no I think he's done brilliantly and I also think that he won't pa- January's really painted a picture the fact that they were as I said they were in for so many strikers but they didn't get the right one and instead of panicking and getting ones that they could get they decided to just not get anyone at all and they're still playing a right back up front you know mm. the fact that David Moyes said no this is okay I would rather not have one and continue what we're doing than have one and have them be wrong I think it's such a unique position it's such a unique stance to take as a manager and I wouldn't be surprised and this might sound outrageous I wouldn't be surprised if we see Suchek up front yeah. Because um, look, there were yeah. there were points at Everton when he played Fellaini further further yeah. forward, and Fellaini is a, is a defensive. He's a number eight. He's, yeah. a, he's a defensive midfielder yeah. who makes late runs. Yeah. That's what he does. He's made a fucking career out of it, controlling it on his chest and giving it to someone else. But there were points at Everton where Moyes' most pragmatic option was to play that type of player further forward and then have the players that ran beyond, which at West Ham, he's got Jared Bowen and he's got Little Lingard. Yeah. And if he's got that running on, a better armour, and Suchek actually playing in almost a number 10 position, yeah. maybe further forward, but the most advanced player on the pitch, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it. And I think Moyes already has... has previous for doing that and he knows he has a player that can do it in Suchek but so I, th- I think that'll be break glass though because I think like what Suchek's doing really well is that late run yes at the moment like that you know that's where he's getting his goals whether it's coming in on the back post for a header or whether it's um you, you know being the last man to arrive in in the box it just seems to be timing those runs really well so I agree but they've got cover could, in that spot they've got players yeah. like Mark Noble and Benarama that that, that yeah. could actually play in the Suchek role probably not as effectively at the moment but they could do that way mm. more than they have cover up front so, yeah, so, so I, I do, think, I do yeah. think they've got a plan B when they just shuffle their pack. It's incredible to watch. Um, Rod, you just mentioned how it's amazing that Moyes has got a team playing, every player playing exactly as he wants them to. Uh, or maybe you said it, Jeff, I can't remember. One of you said that you've got the whole squad believing in it, playing as we want them to. On the other side, they beat Spurs 2-1. And I have a feeling Jose Mourinho doesn't <laughs> have <laughs> the buy-in from the squad. And everyone going, oh, yeah, this is brilliant. And I'm playing brilliantly. This is the first time in eight years that um, Spurs have played West Ham when they're below them in the league. And it's a real indictment of where Jose's taken that team is that they are ninth, I think, at the moment. Um, Three points above a Wolves who had a struggle of a season. And it looks like it's over. Is it over? Only four points behind Liverpool, though. Yeah, true, but that's a whole different story. Uh, I, I mean, I they're they're ten ten points ish off top four. Um, you back it? You saying that it's not doing as bad as everyone thinks? Or? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not. But I do think that Spurs have. They obviously still have some very good players. I, I don't. I, 
I don't think it's going to work though with Mourinho. No, I don't think they'll get top four. I, I don't see. Isn't it, it just so predictable around. though? Isn't this yeah. what we, well, I mean, all we said, talked about? Yeah, this is yeah. what this is what's going to happen, and everyone's going to be miserable, and then he's going to leave, and then I mean, the thing that why I've have got, you done it? Yeah, why <laughs> why did you do this? The thing I've got to now though is players like Son and Harry Kane. If Jose Mourinho's there next season, they leave. I don't know how you can as a those two players are world class and should be winning trophies and playing Champions League everywhere. Not in sitting ninth, yeah. Not sitting eighth or ninth and playing turgid defensive football. And they're gonna run Harry Kane is the best English striker for the last twenty years, say. And he's playing at what is basically a mid table team at the moment that should be pushing top four, got to a Champions League final. He's 26, 27. If he's going to go to the top, if he's going to go to Real Madrid... Where's he going to go? Bayern Munich. Who would buy him? He should, you, he should go to Bayern Munich. Absolutely. Do you know where he would play really well that I think would Man work? United? No, Liverpool. Because he does, he would do the Firmino well, well yeah, perfectly true. because he can drop off like Firmino does, but also be the point of attack and can finish and obviously gives them the option where... Robinson's crossing. John, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely <laughs> right. So I don't think so, it's going to happen. It though, kind of it? gives me shudders down my spine. <laughs> that, that you're, you're spot on. That would that would be the refresh that a team like Liverpool needed. Yeah, statistically, right. So, so Jose's had 50 games in charge of Spurs. It's a decent sample size. And it is the worst first 50 games he's had in any of his clubs. And I think he's managed nine yep. periods of, of management. It's sort of top of my head stuff. So and I, I substantially might be wrong, so. It's like 15 points exactly worth. Exactly right. Which means that we... And, and it didn't go great at United. Exactly right. And we've seen a slow decline of, yeah. those, of those stats. You know, if you, if you look at it, plot it on a graph and it, it's a downward spiral. And as you say, it's boring because you predicted it. Everyone predicted it. We tried well, no, back to when no, he got I don't the job. Think everyone did predict it because everyone gets caught. Um, you know how when there's players that haven't played for ages, it used to be really good. Yeah, and then yeah, they come yeah. back and they're like, not really good because they're yeah. really old and we kind of get caught up in it Yeah, it's the same with Mourinho because he's been so, I feel like because he's been so successful every time it comes around again he's still thought of as this absolute you know pinnacle world class manager and I think players even think it initially like mm. people you know I think there would be some excitement initially about mm. Mourinho because he's won so much um, but that's gone you know I've, yeah. I've talked about this for a long time that his shelf life is way shorter than other managers because of his level of intensity you, you know he's sort of that style of taking in all, all the pressure and everything and all mm. the deflection in his early days and the players were on board with that but I think it just takes so much out of you and I that exactly what he said then it's a continued downward trajectory and I don't I mean, maybe I sort of questioned a bit at the start of this year with Spurs when they were going okay. He seemed to have a bit of a, a, glint a bit of a eye. bit of a glint in his eye and a bit of a twinkle, and I thought, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there is something there. But it's still, you would say, even when that was happening, the football that they were playing was not sustainable because it was essentially boring football and. Um, you know, un and it was Kane. uninspired football, and it was Kane and Son. Yeah, exactly. It was two players oh, carrying them through. Um, let's move off Spurs because we need to move on to the Merseyside derby, Jeff. Yes. So, so this is your moment in the sun, I guess. Everton have won away at Anfield for the first time in twenty twenty two years. Nineteen ninety nine was the last time I think Kevin Campbell scored that game, and um, you won two 0 and sort of passed me by a bit this game. 
No one noticed. <laughs> but I think you deserved the win. Did you, did you agree? Yeah, I, I mean, look, obviously everyone who listens to this and you know where my loyalties yeah. lie in this game. Um, and even if, we, even, even if, you know, it was 70% possession of Liverpool, 35 shots, Liverpool to Everton's one and we won 1-0, I'd say that Everton were fucking excellent. <laughs> However, if, if you try, I, I do my best to be pragmatic, right? And, and we would, they had some good chances. However, Everton were definitely the more controlled team. Mm. And I think what was interesting is um, when you watch this game back, so tactically, I, th- I think Ancelotti got this spot on. Now, now yeah. Liverpool are a better side than Everton. Liverpool have better players than Everton. So the only way that you are going to beat them is if they're, they're, in, a, they're in a bad run, which we know they are, and Everton, I'm not going to say want it more, but you, you tactically outsmart them. Now, one thing is that hasn't been spoken about much is that when, so when the lineup was announced, there's six defenders on. Yeah. right six defenders and two defensive midfielders and then uh, a couple of forwards right yeah. you look at that lineup and you think oh fucking hell he's gone to Anfield to shut up shop but as soon as the game started you saw that he hadn't what he did was put Seamus Coleman on Robertson yeah. and it just like what was that what was that game um where Park Ji Sung marked uh, Perlo? Was it uh, yeah, Perlo? Perlo? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Champions do, you, do you remember yeah. this? Remember this a long time ago? And just went Park Ji Sung, follow Perlo. Yeah, you, your, your job is not to kick the football. Your yeah. job is to mark Perlo. That is your job today. Yeah. When you watch, watch back this game, because essentially Seamus Coleman's task was to do exactly the same for Robertson. So instead of playing with six at the back or however the lineup looked, Luca Dean was, um, was essentially, they essentially had four at the back with Coleman running a free roll watching Robinson, which meant that there was no one overlapping over Hammers, which gave Hammers some freedom without being exposed. So it was, it was a four at the back. Yep. However, with, with these two free rolls of Coleman and Hammers, and you, you saw in the middle of the second half when Coleman missed a header. It was, it was, yes. it was a good yeah. save. He wouldn't have been there if he wasn't a dog with a bone on the back of Robinson. Like, why, why yeah. would he be the only man in the box at that particular moment in time? It's because his job was to follow him. So usually what would happen in a game like this is Everton would score too early, right? Mm. When I say usually what would happen, no. Usually what would happen, Everton wouldn't score at all. Yeah. But when they when they score after three minutes, yeah, great through ball by Hammers. Yeah, it's great assist. Great I, I think that was the thing I noticed with that goal was was um, you haven't had a player that could do that for a long time. I've not and seen it was Everton that, play that ball. You what, know? what was nice about it for me, you see he has got that. Yes, he's not the player he was and he's got some flaws but it was kind of it was a moment of chaos the ball was pinging around tennis, it, pinging yeah. around everywhere I was like oh this is shit yeah. um, and then all of a sudden it's just you know kind of one touch kill it and then just a perfectly perfectly weighted through ball there aren't many players in the league that could have played that pass and you've now got one of those players and you haven't had that before and I, it was just a you know it's a player that can do that in that fraction of a moment and can produce that pass mm, when make, no one else can see what's going yeah, on makes yeah, you a different in, team in chaos um, but usually what would happen as I said is early goal Liverpool would come back and Everton would just absorb it yeah. but that's not what happened Everton seemed like they were the most composed side at 1-0 up and they, they weren't panicking they weren't playing the occasion they were playing for three points and knowing they could do damage on the back. Now it wasn't all um, all rosy for for Everton. I think Decore had a terrible game, mm. but again, 
But, um, he can, but he can have a terrible game. But he'll keep running around. Well, that's it. He'll keep running around, and and he disrupted play. But he would his first touch was poor, and he'd give away the ball too, too often. But as I said, I've said in previous uh, sheds, Everton are probably best when they're defending. You know, we've we've got good forwards, but great defenders, and and a plethora of them. But then you look across the park that day. And you look at two centre backs for Liverpool. It was Jordan Henderson and Kabak. Yeah. Kabach, 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 playing his first game for first first start. Was it his first? His second start. Yeah. So really, really tough for him to to get a welcome to the Premier League like that. And then Henderson got injured, and because of that, you you know Everton have four great centre backs, and at that point, Liverpool had two average ones. average ones. I, I think it's just it, it, we've talked about it, but every time. I think there's two things for Liverpool. There's Big Verge and then there's Big Verge. Um, <laughs> and it, and it's, it might be as simple as that. I also, I don't want to uh, like poo-poo other teams, but I do also think that there is an element of uh, Liverpool struggling more than most with the sterile empty stadiums. And that particularly because they were on such a roll. Yeah. You know the role of being good for however long, and they have and, the, and the home record. And if you're trying to manufacture that yourself and keep that going, that's more difficult really hard, than if yeah. you've got a packed Anfield every week. Do you know Liverpool have not scored from open play at Anfield this year? Wow! Yeah, Everton there have scored go. more goals that's, at Anfield. You know that's, that's Can we? Can you can, also give me your thoughts on um, Pickford? Because I thought his save from Henderson was absolutely brilliant. You've had your other goalkeeper in for a few weeks who is a little bit dodgy keeper, I think. He yeah, made, was, made a few I errors, thought, but his save from Henderson, I think, was And amazing. he's got little arms. Making that a save with little arms was <laughs> <laughs> even more impressive. Before Jeff goes on Pickford, because I, I always say that I think he's the best keeper in England and that everyone gives the England number one a hard time. I thought Pickford was brilliant. And you don't hear about it at all. I just threw my pen on the floor. Um, you don't hear about it at all in the media. No one talks about how great a game he had. If that was Nick Pope, everyone would go, oh, he was brilliant. He should be in the England team. I thought Pickford was excellent that game and deserves to be England number one because he can play like that in a big game. Especially under the pressure of playing against Liverpool, knowing what happened the last time. You know, you know he knew yeah. that the players were out to, you know, out to get him, out to put yeah. him under pressure. Um, I've got one other question. I don't think it was a penalty. I don't think it was. I think I think Everton deserved the result in this game. Uh, the second one that where DCL runs uh, over Trent Alexander Arnold sits up and, and he runs him. over his head. I, really, I, just, yeah. I just don't see a penalty in it anywhere. I don't totally agree. It's not a penalty. It's so bizarre. See, I think it's a sending off. <laughs> I think I, I think last man. I, I, if it's a, if it's a foul, it's a sending off. No. So, any, no. Any, uh, look. Okay. That's... Any anyway. You're not going to win I, that I don't, one. I don't think that Everton needed that other goal to win. I don't think that the ties no, were they did, they did. Like, I don't think um, it made a difference to the game. I just It's a but, side note, but or a footnote, but it it was a terrible... So decision. I've got a question for you, right? So, so your your comment about Van Dijk and Van Dijk, yeah, that's, that's the problem, Van Dijk, Van Dijk. Mm. You know, we know that the, the problem with Liverpool has been their midfield, really. It's been their defence, I get that. Like, mm. caveat, we know that their defence has been shaky, but the what they've done is they've, they've sacrificed their midfield to fix their defence. Yeah. By putting Jordan Henderson at the back, that is that he's been the sacrificial lamb to fix their defence, which means... And Fabinho. Exactly, exactly right. But so, it's, so, it's a whole, we've talked about it's so a whole way back. He's, so, yeah, he's wait for my point. question, wait for my question, yeah. Rog. Right. My, my, my question is... Jurgen Klopp has sacrificed a fully functioning part of his squad and by doing it everyone under the sun can see that the transition between 
midfield and attack is bro- been broken down, and those three attackers can't just do it on their own. So what he's done is he's gone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just break apart, destruct my midfield to fix my defence. Now, is that a decision that is going to go down as a good one when he could have replaced a defender and kept his midfield intact? No, I, t- I totally agree. I think mm. Klopp's made an error in how to fix the defence. I mean, he was in a sticky situation. Um, yeah, he had a problem to solve. Yeah, he had but a problem Particularly, to solve. I think, with COVID and them not wanting, you know, their structure, so my, they didn't so want to go out. So my question it. is, the way he solved that problem, yeah. that's... I don't think he solved it well enough. No, no, I totally agree. No, but I don't, I don't think he had, to be fair, a huge amount of options. And he's they've tried so many... It hasn't always been Henderson. Like They've tried so many different combinations yeah, this, Fabino this, this year. Like They've played with all, all the young guys. And, yeah, yeah, just... And I think that's been part of the issue too. And it, But the whole way along, what I think is a bit of a an indictment on Klopp is that... It's been a band-aid solution the whole way through. Like Van Dyke's gone for the year. Mm. We know that it's gone for the season. You need to you need something that is going to fix this for the whole season. January first. Whereas this like, should have happened. You yeah, know? like the whole the whole way it's been gone. It's constantly felt like a short-term solution, and it's finally sort of it worked for a little bit. And I think there's things like it worked for a little bit because Diego Jota came in and was really good. And he papered over the cracks a bit and then got injured. But they were, at that point, he had changed. So, so Jurgen Klopp, had changed, he was playing four up front when Jota was there. Yeah. Right? Which means that he had changed his philosophy to we're going to score more than you. Which is different to the philosophy yeah. we're going. So, so at the moment, he's going, we will sacrifice our midfield to defend better than you. To lay our traps to try and let our front three express mm-hmm. themselves. Whereas when Diego Jota was there, it's we're going to fucking put all our forwards on at once. We're going to put all four of them. We're going to score more than you. And that's fine because when Van Dyke's injured, that's okay because we're going to score more. Mm. But he's reverted back to a system that doesn't work with the personnel he's got. Do you, Why don't you go to three at the back? If you're Klopp, do you now... Um, they play in the Champions League. Since they'll win the, cha- win the Champions League. Do you sacrifice <laughs> the league? Yeah. Do you I, go, think they will, I think they'll win the Champions League. I think... Obviously, they've got to do everything they can to get top four to guarantee the Champions League for next year. But also, they've got a team that is basically the best in Europe when all fully fit. Nah, Bayern have something to say about that. Well, yeah, and maybe Man City, but they've got one of the best teams in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> Do you just give everything to winning the Champions League? But what yeah. does that mean, though? In, in practical terms, what does that mean? What, what, well, who, means- which defender are they going to wheel out to just suddenly be good again in the Champions League? No, yeah, I, I see your point there, but also it means that because you play every three or four days and everyone does that. Oh, so you do make you rest in the yeah, league. Yeah, you make a point of going, okay, Salah, you don't play this league game against Crystal Palace, but you do play against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And you do that. But the problem's of- not Salah and Mane and Firmino. They're still playing well. Salah is still the top goal scorer in the Premier League. He's on 15 goals yeah. this season. That's not where their problem oh, is. Yeah. I, no, I th- but it, it's the, the link up. It's, it's the, the yeah, it's, it's, the it's the whole thing. Yeah. The, it's, it's the structure. I don't necessarily think it's all about individuals being off form or anything it's the structure which stems from the defence we talk talk, you know midfield comes back to fix the defence and then the forwards are isolated and it just it's clearly not working and I agree with you it's not easy to chop and change that and say well you know we'll do this in the league and then suddenly it'll work in the Champions League but I agree with you I think if they're going to rest players I think they'll, they'll, they'll try and get Fourth, they'll, they'll, they'll try and head yeah, to the they'll, they'll go. We want fourth, but I think in and Klopp would probably never say it, and the players never say it. But in their heart and hearts, they know the league's gone. They will be 
You don't but I've not seen Klopp do attempts. anything like play three at the back or or, or not play his attacking fullbacks the way his philosophy dictates. I've not seen him do anything but replace players with players. I have yeah. not seen a different system. And that, to me, in the situation that that club is in, is too rigid for success. And and on the, on the flip side, we're looking at Pep Guardiola, I've seen about 100 different systems. I've seen different oh, systems in different games. No, no, I don't, I don't know, know if know I agree that. with that. I think Pep's, Pep's always had a way of playing... And it's taken him a while to evolve. Like it evolved a little bit of Bayern because it was slightly different. Mm. It's this season at Man City. It's a little bit different because his strikers were injured. But I don't. But, he, he, stop, yeah. he, it's always about him playing his way. L- yeah. Okay, okay. But you just said it there. You went. Pep has changed the way he plays this season because his strikers are injured. Yeah, but we've so, been, we've been talking about Pep needing to change the way they played slightly for the last no, but, three but, years. But that in itself, we've just said Liverpool have not changed the way they've played because their defenders are injured. Let's take a step back, Jeff. Why why are you so passionate about Klopp not changing things? Well, because I, I think I'm not sure that it gets enough attention. I think we just talk about these injured players and go, oh, aren't they unlucky with injuries? Yeah. And actually, I think that his job, it, it, you know, he's, he's put on this pedestal, and rightly so, yeah. what he's turned Liverpool into. And don't get me wrong, I'm disappointed by it yeah. because I thoroughly enjoyed watching Liverpool last year. The year before, I had a great time. They were an amazing side. And to be honest, I'd not seen anything like it. You know, we yeah. were talking about these fullbacks. I, I, I fucking loved it. Even as an Everton fan, I was so entertained by watching them. So I'm really disappointed to see the downfall this season. Yeah. So it's not like I'm personally disappointed. Yeah. He's not insulted me. But, <laughs> but I don't think that his rigidity is getting enough airtime it's not getting enough visibility yeah, no and I think no I think that's a fair point and I do think on the injury thing like a team like Leicester who've had just as many maybe not as important injuries but they've had just as many oh, pretty, and, you'd argue indeed he's probably as important yeah and they've yeah. lost Johnny Evans for a bit and Vardy for a bit and so there's they've had a lot of injuries so yeah I see the point there I'm gonna I want to we're gonna move off ever yeah. Liverpool no no I, I, I will but on Leicester you're, you're absolutely right right they've had Fafana who's been injured for, for five weeks Pereira 25 games Castagna 18 games Ndidi 16 games Cianchu 16 games Jamie Vardy 8 games Johnny Evans 8 Stop games Stop names they they have had just as much of a Liverpool of a injury crisis as Liverpool but the thing is Brendan Rodgers has changed the way they play yes I want to ask you a question about Evan Oh, good. There we go. I'm, I'm not getting off the Everton Liverpool game just yet. I just want to ask you a game, a question, one question before we move on about Everton. Can Everton become consistent? Oh, fuck, yes. John. Because Consist- that's consistently the, seventh. Because <laughs> in reality, they're still seventh. Yeah. Um, and brilliant win, great, awesome. But the you guys play Southampton at home this week. I can see you getting a point. probably probably losing it. Yeah. The so do you think there's is the team improving to a point where they can become consistent as West Ham have and won nine out of eleven? And can they can Everton do that? Do you think they're in a position to do that? At the moment, no. Yeah. And and that's because of the games against you know, games against Newcastle and Fulham that were there were losses and they weren't just losses, we were well beaten. The difference that you see when you watch Everton is that when Everton play against a side, they are very good. When they play as themselves, they are often lacking. Yeah. So Everton played against Liverpool. They set up against Liverpool, and, yeah, their, and their strength is that a player? Through. Is that a 
Everton trait no. <laughs> that's ingrained in the football club, or is it a player trait? Because it, it's hard to think that that's something that will be instilled by Ancelotti. Because he's a, you know, when he came in, if there was a criticism of him, it's a he's a, you know, the sprinkles on top manager. He generally goes to establish successful and teams. And- on that, I'm reading Jonathan Wilson's um, inverting the pyramid at the moment, and I'm going through the section about. Inter Milan in the 60s and mm. their defensive way of playing and watching Ancelotti's Everton recently you go Jesus this guy has been brought up in Italian oh, football like old school Italian old school and yeah. worked out okay these are my best players and these are the best pro- free him up yeah, yeah. These, these are the well, no these are my best players in the defenders my defence is my strongest bit use the strength that I have and then have one or two outlets to make things happen so that makes sense when you mm. say you can't go and beat a team, but you can. Yeah. When a team comes to you, you can, can play go, against them. You can play against and, them. And, and it's such I an Italian philosophy. Like and I don't mean it's as simple as counter-attacking. Yeah, I'm not talking yeah. kind of basic strategy here, like, oh, absorb it and then, then catch them on the break. I'm talking about when you when mm. you strategically set up against a side, yeah. versus strategically setting up to express yourself. And the games against Newcastle, the games against Fulham, Everton didn't have any answers because they had too much time, too much space, and actually, you know, in, inserting themselves on this game was beyond them. So, can they be consistent at the moment? No, because all I see are Everton picking up great results against the teams in the top six and shitty results against relegation fodder. And um, let's move on to Leicester because we were talking about their injury list a minute ago. So, Leicester beat Aston Villa 2 1, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, Good and win, Villa a third. Same points as Man United and a very good win because Villa are going well. I enjoyed this game because they're both teams that have been really good this year and maybe both surprised us. Maybe not Leicester, but Villa definitely have. And it was just the two teams that play good football. And I didn't think I'd say that, but Aston Villa at the start of the year. But like generally when I watch a Villa game, like it's enjoyable, it's open, you know, they're, they're, they're playing an attacking game. Villa had no Grealish, which... I think makes a big difference for them. But I really wanted to talk about Madison. And I know we talk about Madison a bit on here, but I think I give him a hard time because he looks a bit of like a fancy Dan or whatever. But he's just worked out how to score goals. He's really good. And his goal at the weekend was a Frank Lampard goal. Mm. It was a player who's at the top of his game, who's in a position, who goes, oh, this is my opportunity to score. And... Old James Madison would have tried to fling it in the top corner. And he went, oh, I can see the bottom corner. If I just roll it in there, then we're winning. And that's important. And he, he, it, there was a real kind I, of I completely agree with light bulb yeah. moment of going, this guy's worked out how to be yeah. really fucking brilliant. And that's, that's new this season. You're, yeah. you're absolutely spot on. Like it, You feel like previously it was almost more about the act than the end result. Mm. You know, it was about doing something that, that, and he knows look, he can that do looks amazing. Yeah. yeah, but I think it takes, when the player that has those talents takes that next step, it's when they realise that they don't always have to do that. Sometimes yeah. the boring functional bit is actually amazing. what, that's, you, that's what, you, what you do. And Ronaldo right. doesn't do step-overs like, anymore, does he? Yeah, because it's not about it's the not, cameras, it's about scoring goals. Yeah, but it, and it's like we've watched that him evolving and I think that's happened this year and I completely agree I think he's and he's become more ruthless 
and he's he's picking the right pass now, but he's also scoring goals. Do you know, I think the other player who's also on the score sheet who's done that a bit and there's, there's now much more end product from him is Harvey Barnes. Like he's scoring more goals, he's he's getting more assists. He was I, I just feel he's a little bit less headless chook yeah. than he was. Um, um the thing on the Harvey Barnes goal we have to bring up the throw in for it. So have you seen this? It's a foul throw. Yeah. So Castagna so takes bad, the throw yeah. in. And it's not even a little foul throw. It's like a child has run and jumped to throw it and just gone really leap in the air. And uh, someone paces it in the shedders and volleys. I can't remember who, sorry. But it is the worst foul throw that in Sunday League, everyone would be like, hey, hang on. And they rightly said on the Facebook group, the fact that it led to a goal makes it worse. You're like, yeah. you can't yeah. get away with that. Well, it's just all the... It brings to light all the frustrations with VAR, I guess. Yeah. When, you know, there's something it's like that. We can't do anything about it. But you know, the, um, you're you're right to to now start to compare him to Frank Lampard. I would have felt uncomfortable a year ago, mm. but I actually think he's like Frank Lampard, but with better feet. Yeah, you know, like he's, yeah, he's got he, more skills than Frank. Yeah, Lampard, he's though. quicker and and he's he doesn't quite have the the nous that Frank mm. has yet, but he's developing it. That bloke is very good at football. Can we put him in the same team as? Grealish. We don't have to. Grealish and Sterling is and Sancho and Rashford. I, well, I want them all. We can next year because Man United is going to sign Madison, Grealish, <laughs> Harry Kane, Sancho. Quick lesson to all the, all, the, all the kids out there who might listen to the show. Um, so Jack Grealish wears uh, small shin pads, right? Yes. You know, that's pretty cool. Looks yeah. pretty cool. Currently has a shin injury. <laughs> <laughs> Probably best to wear long shin pads, <laughs> I reckon. <hilarious. laughs> That's really funny. Um, but, yeah, where would you like to go next? Actually, I would like to go to Arsenal-Man City. Um, because Man City win 1-0 and didn't play brilliantly. But Raheem Sterling scored a header in the first minute. Raheem Sterling doesn't score headers. No. Where he just keeps scoring at the moment. You know, I yeah. talked about him. He keeps scoring. He's 7 out of 10. Yeah. He's, like not, he's got 9 goals he's in the league this year. He's uh, um, 18 in a row? Yeah, 18 wins in a row in all competitions. They haven't lost since the 15th of December. Wow. At the moment, it is the City machine, isn't it? But they play West Ham this week. And West Ooh. Ham are the form team. I, I just... De Bruyne's back now. He's got a bit of a grizzled beard. De Bruyne sauce. Um, mm-hmm. De Bruyne sauce, yeah. He's, he sort of looks like he hasn't been playing for a bit with his um, uh, beard look that he's gone for. Nearly scored a brilliant goal. Um, sort of half-curled chip with his left foot. Mm. Did you see it? It's yeah. sort of when you first see it, you're like, oh, it looks like it was well wide. And then you watch it again, yeah. you're like, oh, oh that's actually, that close. was so close. But I just think, well, we know they've won the league, so it's a bit boring. Yeah, Do we need is. to say any more? Well, yeah, I guess it's it's probably fair to talk about Arsenal, if anything's interesting in this game. Um, looking at the the Arsenal squad, do you think Arsenal deserve to be in a better position than they are? Or do you actually think that where they have settled is where they belong? No, they are a better team than should be 11. They've been, Why? They've been a bit better. Uh, they obviously had a pretty bad... Spell. So, 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 what in that team is? Let, is let's better not than forget that position. they were. What were they? Five points off the relegation zone. The when, reason I say that is if you look at the teams around them. So, Everton, Villa, Spurs, Leeds, Arsenal, Wolves, Crystal Palace, Southampton. They have a better squad than all those teams. So they should be seventh. But this is this is the thing. I, I would have agreed with you until I did some deep diving into it, and actually, I'm not sure I do. I, I think that El Nenny and Zaka. Crap. 
are crap and they start <laughs> with them. I think there's two centre backs, Holding and Mari. Holding's really good. I like Holding. Oh, uh, okay. That's but that's yeah. not yeah, better, that, that's better, better than Ted. Yeah. Pepe, we've we've questioned here crap. endlessly. Yeah. Bemiang is thirty three years old. Yeah. Um you know, Kieran Tyranny's great, Bellerin is okay. Saka has been amazing. Yeah. But I, I would argue that's their starting 11 against Manchester City at home. Is their team better than 10th, 11th? Right now, no, it's not. No, maybe. Oh, no, I, do. I, I just think... I, do you see my point? Yeah, no, you make a very good point. Um, I think there's a lot of players in that squad who have the ability to perform better than they are performing. And I think... But, they're, they're, and they, but their form has... like It's a little bit of a... Um, it's not a false table, but there. If you, if you put that up from the last, you know, uh, ten games or whatever, or fifteen games, I, I think Arsenal would be sixth or seventh. Yeah. You know, they, they they were five points off the relegation zone. They're now what twelve. Um, so they have, you know, since they brought in the the kids, I think Smith Rowe's been very good. We yeah, he's talk, excellent. We talked yeah. about Saka. I really rate Odegaard. Um, I know they've only got him on on loan. Um, I think Martinelli's going to be back soon, who will also give them something different. I mean, I, um, are they top four? No, I, I agree that they're in that next tier down at the moment. But I think they've also got. There's there's a lot of potential there. They could aspire to be better than Aston yeah. Villa. I think Spurs have a better squad than Arsenal. No way. No, I don't think Spurs Spurs have a better team, maybe. But I don't Spurs squad. I don't think there's a lot of holes in it. But also you saying about the league and going it's false or whatever, what I really liked about looking at the league this week is that most teams were on the same amount of games. I feel like yeah, this, yeah. Right, yeah. this is the first time. I think it's only Everton and Villa who've got and Spurs who've got games in hand left. Yeah, to very play. true. Everyone's on twenty five games. So this is a true reflection. For the first time in a long time, yeah. yeah. For the first time, probably this season. Apart but- from Everton's game in hand against Villa, which is interesting. Well, and then you'd say the season as a whole, Arsenal being about mid-table is right. Because they've been pretty crap. For large yeah. spells, they've been really crap. Yeah, I guess my point is, I don't think they're better than their position. Yeah. I think that their team represents their position pretty accurately. I think season as a whole, you're right. Yeah, I, 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 um, I wanted to, before we move off the Premier League, touch on Chelsea. Um, Fucking hell, Chelsea drew with Southampton at the weekend. Minamino, who looks good, he probably should play for Liverpool. He he um, has looked good since he's yeah. actually started playing a bit. But Chelsea of oh, one few in a row. Can I say one more thing about? Was it that game? Was it this morning? Romelu, yeah. it's challenge. No, it's this morning. What are, what are you chatting about? Let uh, me finish on Chelsea. You can go Southampton after. Okay, <laughs> it's fresh in my We've mind. Got time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Chelsea win this morning against Atletico Madrid away. Although the away was in Budapest, not Madrid. They were both away. But, but yeah, then yeah. the home leg is going to be at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, it seems a, co- a bit unfair. Yeah, they'll get over it. Um, well, it's just the rules. There's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, I know, but it just yeah. seems a bit unfair. But Atletico went with uh, eight defenders, Part two, of the bus. two midfielders, yeah. no strikers, and then lost to Chelsea, and Giroud scored a great overhead. But Tuchel, one is doing something Tuchel. really Tuchel. Tuchel. <laughs> is doing something really good. And Frank's looking worse and worse week by week. No, I, right. I have some stuff to say on this, John. Okay. Because I thought that until I started watching more Chelsea. Yeah. I thought, from a results perspective, you're right. He's making Frank Lampard look like an absolute mug. He's mm. going. To, but would you say, apart from the Atletico game this morning, would you say Chelsea have got 
results against teams that Frank Lampard's Chelsea wouldn't have got results against? I haven't got the results. Because Lampard's Chelsea struggled against any team with quality but beat, beat teams below them. And I'd say that in the last five games or so, Tuchel's got exactly the same. I would also say watching Chelsea play football is very sideways. It's, it's not very exciting. It's very sideways. It's very extra pass in the box. Um, watching his treatment of Hudson-Odoi on, on the weekend where, where he subbed him on and then subbed him off again. But then he started him this morning and Hudson-Odoi was excellent. So yeah, that, but, I think that's... I there's, there's, there's points where I agree that that can go really wrong. Yeah. But if it's good man management, it can work really, really it well. It depends on the player. Yeah, see, yeah. No, no, I'm not saying... Look, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong. Yeah. I, I do think that he's making Frank Lampard look like a mug and that makes all of us look like geniuses. And I think that that is something that we should hang our hats on. But I do think when you when you pull apart the football and not just the results, I'm not... If I was a Chelsea fan, I wouldn't be very excited by how they're playing football. And it's certainly not more excited than I was with Frank Lampard. It's No, currently they're not playing expansive football but he's playing back three and he's getting them solid and he's going right when he's just I still don't think Mason Mount's very good I'm not sure about him is he good I don't no, know I think he he's getting I, I'm leaning towards the he's getting better and better in my opinion and uh, I think that Tuchel's just gone okay flat uh, back three defensive make sure we don't concede plays two number eights which is really good or number tens for when you've got Mount, Havertz, Werner, all those players can play in that position. And then you've got Giroud or Abraham as your big bloke up front. I think he's just looked at his squad and gone, this system works, play this. And if he gets it consistent, and then beating Atletico this morning, who are one of the favourites of the Champions League, beating mm. them 1-0 away from home in a not very away a, from home It's tonight. a great result. It's though. a huge result. And then you get the players on board believing in what he's doing. So I... I I think they're making progress. I don't disagree. I just want you to spend the next week watching Chelsea and and let's have a chat about this on next week's show because because I really I want you to concentrate on the the way they're playing, not the results they're getting. And I want to I want to see what you think. I'm genuinely interested okay. in what you think. Well, Chelsea, Man United. So I John will watch that one. Yeah, it's Chelsea, Man United this weekend. So okay. I'll watch that. So count the side count the sideways passes and count how many extra t- extra passes they're making in the box. That's the thing that's doing my head in. Yep. They will miss chances because they take an extra pass in the box, and that is not something they were doing under Frank yeah. and that is so, so it's obviously like a we need to raise our percentage game we yeah. all put it in the zones where you are more likely to score and by doing that fuck it's infuriating so, so, so watch it tell me yeah, what you think okay cool um, Raj what did you want to say about Southampton uh, it was from this morning's game against yeah. Leeds yes the Leeds won 3-0 uh, Leeds won 3-0 still the best team to watch uh, in the league and great finish by Bamford yeah. I just like the way and Rafinha's brilliant Rafinha's really good yeah but uh, Bamford's finish the way he does a little um, step over just yeah. to give himself space like not a step over for the defender step yeah. over but kind of step over to um, you get the ball out from under his feet and then you know kind of really efficient finish in the bottom corner I, I'm, yeah. I think he's doing great at the moment but Romeu, yeah, who has been really good since he went. I thought he was crap at Chelsea. I thought yeah. he was just a lump, like absolute lumper. But I think he's been proved he's to be a decent yeah, player since he's gone to Southampton. He's a solid defensive midfielder. He is. No frills. He made one of the best challenges this morning that I have seen in a long, long time. So uh, it was balls played through. Um, Rafinha's like streaking away. Yeah. And he's, 
you know, he's got several yards on on him, and he, and he's Romeo's just kind of chugging back like he does, yeah. um, and then just at the last minute before Rafina goes to shoot, Romeo gets there just in time to realise actually it's kind of like an afterthought I can make a challenge I didn't think I was going to get back it was just a token gesture to run back but I can get there and he just times this beautiful challenge in the box to take the ball away and I just think it's a it's just a lesson you know don't don't give up yes and you keep because he's not quick but he just kept he was the first one there because he put in more effort than any of the other Southampton players he just wanted to try and get there and he did and it was just I love that yeah it's just such a good challenge yeah, and also concerning though because Southampton basically gave up this morning. Yeah, what's and, happening and with them? Like we we're, we're fans of the Hutch, but can is it is he a bit streaky? Top of the league in October. Yeah, currently sitting fourteenth and looking like they could keep going south. I don't know. It's a really weird one, and we haven't got time to delve okay. into it now. But we should look. Let's at come it. back to it. Yeah, they're playing Everton next week. So I'm sure Jeff will bring it up. Sure. Yeah, they'll get a they'll get they'll a win. They'll, they'll win. get a result. They'll the rest their slide. Um, a couple of quick things on the Champions League. As I said, Chelsea won. Um, Bayern Munich won this morning. Four one. Four one. And Musiala scored. The English bloke. English bloke. Youngest English fella, Champions yeah. League. Youngest English Champions League scorer ever since. Has has he decided he's going to be English yet? Since, Wayne, Wayne, oh, Wayne, sorry. since Wayne Rooney, Oxley Chamberlain. Really? Fast. There you yeah. go. Um, he's not decided whether he's going to be English or German yet. So uh, we should get him to play for us in a friendly. Yes. It's like nineteen forty-two all over again. <laughs> <laughs> Are we English or Germans? <laughs> oh. Jeff's just throwing his beers everywhere at the same time. Is, is that Heineken is a German beer, isn't it? No, it's Dutch. 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 Um, and so it's just... they were both, depending on who won. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the championship, so um, Rog, big news. Uh, the uh, Robins, Bristol City. Yes. You signed the uh, ostrich in the sand. Nigel Pearson. Is your new... Are you excited? The revolution is here. Um, look, it, it, we need to change. We've lost six in a row. Um, or seven in a row even um, apparently so that our owner is sort of like he's very very invested in the in the city of, of, of Bristol mm. he owns multiple sports clubs and he's been invested in the team but if there's a criticism of him it's sometimes he's a bit removed from day to day and can perhaps be a bit slow to, to react to things um, and he was at the game when City got um, absolutely smashed six nil by Watford, um, and apparently that was the the catalyst. They, <laughs> I was at the game where we lost badly. Fire the manager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was, you know, well there was a thought of long term. Okay, is this the right decision? Mm-hmm. Um, because we'd obviously the the manager that we'd uh, appointed was the um, assistant. Assistant. Of, right. Yeah, Lee Johnson. Um, look, I, it's a change. You know, we have we had Lee Johnson for a while. Uh, we haven't had an established manager. Nodge Pearson's a bit different. He's got Leicester promoted. Let's give it give it a whirl. I we've won anything, three ones. More if than. anything, if Nigel Pearson's your manager, you'll be in the news more because he'll say something wrong. Yeah, and it'll go, just, so it'll be interesting. I mean, the other half of Bristol this morning um, appointed uh, a certain Joey Barton as their manager. Yeah, I so I, I'm I'm fairly happy so, with Pearson over Barton. Yeah. Bristol, <laughs> Bristol City Pearson, Bristol Rovers Joey Barton. Yeah. Don't go near Bristol. <laughs> right Nothing now. could go wrong with that. 
Um, does anyone have any side stories? Yes. Go on, um, uh, Slavia, Prague. Yeah, nice. In the Czech Republic? Yeah, somebody was playing Slavia, Prague this week. Remind me who was playing Slavia, Prague. Well, actually, my knowledge of the Czech League... No, no, no. It was in Europe. <laughs> it was in Europe, John. It was a European Arsenal. game. Was it Arsenal? Does it matter? What's your point? Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, because I was just following the game as it came through, and I saw this. Uh, it's a bit of a gross one. I sort of just was following sort of on the live text feed, and, this, yeah. and it came up, um, which is the, uh, the from the commentator that's watching um, the game, and he said he's used to like is uh, a journalist, so he's obviously been in lots of empty stadiums, yeah. and then you know it's this weird sort of ambience and no noise and then he said he got really distracted because all of a sudden there was a lot of like shouting and jeering and whistling against Leicester and he was looking around to see who it was um and a newspaper's got a uh, photographer's got a picture of this but it's basically all the dodgy um politicians that are there um including uh the former minister of health who'd just called for a complete lockdown, but had to step down in October after he violated the COVID restrictions. So it's basically all these government... Um, Czech government Czech people. government people. Who are just there that, having a great time. That have been telling, yeah, the rest of the population, you must lock down, you must do this. But we're going to go and watch but the football. But we're going to go and watch the football. Jesus. And not just watch the football, but like get really into it and... Be drunk, yeah. Be drunk and shouting and wow. like. I was thinking if you saw that on. T- I mean, we Come see we see very similar things in the UK. Yeah, uh, the one rule for Australia. us, one rule for them, and in Australia. But I just whenever you sort of see something like that in a visible sporting sense, you're like, you really don't care. You know, of course yeah. it's going to be on telly. It's yeah. European football, so it just you just don't give a shit. That's, That's gross. Mm. Yeah. Um, whilst we're on grossness. Um, I'll bring up the Qatar World Cup because the Guardian mm. released a report yesterday that, uh, and this is a underestimate they've gone for because they can't know exactly, but they think 6,500 migrant workers have died in the building of the Qatari World Cup stadiums, which is 12 people a week since they started the work. That is insane. And it's gr- And the Guardian article, I encourage everyone to read it because it's really good because it... Um, has little stories about people that have died because it's you see this number six thousand. So are these migrants. workplace accidents or what's the um... well? There's so they put little they put stories to these people and there's there's one guy who's twenty and said to his family, "I've got this job working on Qatar World Cup. I'm you going pay to for those jobs as and well. You pay yeah, yeah you pay like a thousand pounds to get recruited to go to a recruitment agency, and he goes um, and his dad in this story is saying that he's heard from his son and was like he's not really enjoying it he's like just come home after a week he kills himself so they don't know why doesn't know what's Jesus. going on another one is a Indian guy he's in his 40s leaves his teenage son and wife back in India he's like I've got this job pay a thousand dollars to go he ends up dying um, six years after being there and having worked there for six years the only compensation they get is a thousand pounds which basically covers the recruitment fee and they don't know why he died. He was just found in his bedroom. And there's like, was it malnutrition? Is it because they've been dehydrated? They're not getting... Mm. Uh, and it's just gross. When it's that you, many you people, it's clearly... You, know, you can't just leave. So, so in Qatar, the rules are you need a visa to leave. 
So you need to be able to apply to your embassy to get a visa to leave the country when you're one of the workers, which means that they... It's, it's basically slave labour. It's exactly what it is. It's slave labour. There's nowhere to go. And the, there's no there's no overarching governing body on the conditions and you're you're treated like absolute filth. When you read the article, it's great reporting by The Guardian. As John said, I urge you all to read it. It's sombering. It's... Sobering, this should be sobering, should be a massive somber. story, it's, though. You know, like it's. Uh, I think well, it will be. Um, but you say you think it will be, and it will be. But what will happen is the World Cup will happen, and we'll all watch it, and we'll all go, "Oh, that was the best." Well, ha- I'm, I'm going to ask you how you feel. I know we've pushed for time, but how you feel about it? In that, um, we've talked about this a bit in mm. your position. Generally, we know things aren't great there, but. Um, you know, your opinion's always been you're going to go because at the end of the day, it's going to happen anyway. And, and I'm going to watch other it things home, you can so do. Yeah. yeah. If, am I just supporting it by watching at home? This morning, reading it made me go, I don't want to go. Yeah. And I just, it made, it just, it's gross. But and FIFA should, if FIFA don't come out, I mean, of course they're not going to. They've come out but, and said, we care about everyone's working rights and stuff, but bollocks do you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you did, you wouldn't have awarded it to a, country that had labor laws like that there there are no there's no due diligence in the awarding it was all corruption in the first place i i read that too john it it built on previous bits of knowledge and and bits of reading i've done and i don't even want to watch it because because what what else i've got to live with myself right and what else do i need to make a stand that was the first time this morning reading it and i went you know what i shouldn't watch this yeah. and i'm genuinely going i think we should how do we make a difference how do you yeah. do something it's not watching it's mean the advertising it's, it's, money it's, it's don't like, mean anything it's like being a trump fan you know like like yeah. like what could he possibly do to turn you i'm a football fan yeah. what could f- football possibly do to stop me watching it well actually like, there's probably a line somewhere where I won't watch the World Cup because of what it's done. And yes. and this is probably it. Yeah, there's part of me that seriously this morning considered when, you know what, I've got to consider whether I'm going to watch yeah. it or not. Um, it wasn't the only... Um, you got another happy story for us? No, watch? it was a bit of bad news for FIFA this morning. I didn't. I don't oh, know if no, you saw it. Um, Gerard Depardieu. Um, French actor has come out that he might be um, a, little, a little bit rapey, rapist, yeah, alleged, with alleged. A, alleged, allegedly with a much much younger yeah. um, woman, which obviously is pretty gross, and yeah. it kind of like he's kind of got that. Um, <coughs> Don't say that, But well, tell the story. There's a he played um, Jules Rimet in. The FIFA oh, and that film, FIFA film, and there's a brilliant review of the film by the that '90s um, football podcast. What is that? What it's called? Um, the, quickly, Kevin. Quickly, the, Kevin. The, the '90s football podcast. Yeah, which they, is amazing. they do. Um, they were doing film reviews during lockdown, yeah. um, and they did a brilliant review of the FIFA movie. And I still feel like at some point we should watch it. Although now I'm a little bit less sure. But um, the whole way through, they said this is really weird dynamic where the Gerard Depardieu. Jules Rimet character kind of looks like he wants to sleep with his daughter. Yeah. Like it's just, they just said it's kind of like, it's, it's just weird. really Super hard creepy. to watch yeah, yeah. and weird. And like, uh, I, just, I just sort of heard that this morning and She's went like, immediately. Oh. Like, yeah. Do you know, if Gerard Depardieu married Whoopi Goldberg, she'd be Whoopi Doopy Doo. Oh, that's, 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 on that note, that's brilliant. Let's go to Endgame. Go to Endgame. Uh, yeah. 
So, I won last time. That's brilliant. Whoopie defeated. Um, I'm on three points. Roger's on two. Jeff's on one point. I'm sure this I won week's week. quiz has 75 answers. Oh, God. Come on, Jeff. Okay. So there's Do plenty. We'll get deep. Do we get Can two lives? Yeah, give us two lives, Jeff. No, I'm only going to give you one life because I think you'll get a lot of these. So, you're going to okay. get one life each. So don't get it wrong. Can you name... The 75 highest transfers of all time. So, <laughs> all time. Of all time in any country. Ever, just up until today, the 75 highest transfers. Jeff, you can go first. Gareth Bale. Correct. How are you going to check all these? Because I have a very nicely made PDF here with them all written on that I made. Uh, Luis Figo. Now, Rog, I saw that you wrote Lewis Figo down earlier. Oh, come on. That is so great. See you later, Rog. And I did this this earlier, and I wrote, I'm going to write Lewis Figo down, and I don't think he makes it into the top 75. He doesn't. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. So you're out. You've lost already. Oh, maybe I, I, I don't think I got that right. I think I was thinking... Uh, World records? Yeah. Like the highest... They were the highest transfer. Do you know what I mean? At the time. Like not the highest monetary value. No, the highest. Monetary they were yeah. like the highest. Do we let him go again? No, that's so that's all right. Oh, let's let him go again. But I've won though. Well, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, well then, just a win for Jeff. Well, Jeff wins. There we go. Oh no, he's got to get one right. <laughs> no, he got one right just yeah. then. Oh, in yeah. Let's go again. Come on. Okay, we'll go again. We'll go again. Uh, Andy Carroll. No. Andy Carroll? Did he go for 35 million to Liverpool? 75. Think about it. Yeah, you top 75. Oh my God. Pogba. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is really simple. Just think about it. Uh, Neymar. Yeah. Uh, Mbappe. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, people. Now we're going to be here for hours. Uh, Coutinho. Yes. <laughs> um, Dembele. Yep. Uh, Lukaku <laughs> yes For before all answers you don't have to go uh, Kaka uh, yeah Kaka will be in there yes he is <laughs> it's really like it's uh, what, Think, just like name any Man City defender John Stones yes uh, Big Verge yes Kepa yes um, Cancelo. Yes. Uh, Courtois. Uh, yes. Uh, or, or, um, uh, <laughs> de, uh, de, delict. Correct. Top seventy five. I'm enjoying how hard you're making this self for you guys. Like, there's... Yeah, it's one way if you've sat there and wrote down, you'd probably get most of them. Yeah, it's but it's under it's the, the pressure, microscope, yeah. John. Yeah, okay. Um, it's 50 million in the top 75, you think? 15? 50. Yeah. Fernando Torres? Yes. Zidane? Yes. Ronaldo? Uh, yes. Can you say the same player twice? No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Let's do this. Might go on. Let's make it interesting. Van Nistelrooy. No. Bye bye. Yes. So something like forty million might be the cut off. I'd say forty million exactly. Number seventy five. Nathan Ake. Yeah, oh, he's made a big impact yeah, this so season, like, hasn't he? So if you just it's, it's name, all, yeah, it's all recent. Like, you just name the Man City squad. Yeah, you get it. It's just every. It's just Man City squad. Liverpool, Man United, like Havertz. Oh yeah, Harry Maguire, yeah, Eden Hazard, Frankie De Jong, anyway, Rodriguez. I won twice. But so just before we finish, for sixty-three million pounds, there's a forward called Victor Oshiman. What? I had not heard to who <laughs> Victor Oshiman. He went from Lille to Napoli this year. For sixty-three million pounds, wow. he's a Nigerian striker. I googled him after reading this. Never heard of him. He's in the top twenty. So he scored a goal. I guess so. Hope so. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a very good. It's forward. a lot of money. Yeah, I. Um, Next week, players and food. <laughs> I must admit, I I would have. I didn't like that one. It's no, too, no too new because yeah. it's uh, it's all too recent. I think I would have preferred the God. Uh, it's always you know, a critic. Like the world record. Go on, transfers. shut him off, John. Shut him off. You're not the quiz master. Shut up. When no, did you go? You should have won, and then you could have made it yeah. past. Well, I might have won if it was better quiz. <laughs> okay, great to be back in the shed. Shut up, Rog. <laughs> See ya. I'm gonna drag it out longer because Jeff's really eager for me to do the actually. Oh, he really needs a wee. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. We're all back next week after Jess had a wee. Don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions. Um, just find us on Facebook. Give us ideas for better games. But don't shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com because oh, Roger's deleted not? it. Bye. See Bye, ya. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.